stand at a point where we can break the camel's back. We have brought, I think, after several months of writing about it, we have developed some level of consensus with the industry that the market should be deregulated. I think this is the time to step in and deregulate sugar. Hello and welcome to Pakistanomy. The inquiry reports about the sugar and wheat crises have been the talk of town for the last few days. And while important questions about political influence and patronage have been raised, the fact of the matter is that these crises are mostly caused by structural issues in the agricultural sector. To talk about this report and the underlying issues in the sugar and wheat markets, I invited Ali Khizr, senior consultant at Business Recorder, and Adil Mansoor, an analyst who covers agriculture and water policies in Pakistan. I hope that you and your loved ones are safe and sound as countries around the world continue to deal with the impact of the coronavirus pandemic. These are trying times when we need to come together. So stay safe and if you can, help out folks in your communities in any way, shape or form. Thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy this discussion. Ali and Adil, welcome to Pakistanomy. Thank you. Thank you. So be, let's jump in with starting with the sugar inquiry report, which has obviously been the talk of town in terms of uh, what it talks about and highlights. Um, I'll just lay out the two key findings that are there at the end of the report, which, which is that the first one, the export of sugar was not justified. And then the second, that the beneficiaries of the whole uh, export uh, issue and the subsidy issue benefited first by the subsidies and secondly when the prices of sugar went up they made a higher profit um, because the price of sugar went from 55 rupees per kilo in december 2018 to about 72 rupees per kilo by june 2019 um, which is about a 30 percent price increase ali starting with you what stood out for you in terms of what this report laid out and the cost behind why the subsidies were offered and the whole export scandal that is now playing out in pakistan uh, thank you for having us. Uh, Uzair, first uh, we need to see that what this report is revealing. This report is revealing nothing new. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the, uh, the facts and figures which are mentioned in the report for the long time in our writings. And there are other people within the media and policy circles are talking about these. So the numbers they are taken from, they're mostly a listed companies over there. Then you have uh, uh, the data of exports maintained by State Bank on the daily basis and export pledge, uh, uh, the, the pledges, uh, they are maintained on the monthly basis. So what, what they have mentioned in this report is essentially a public document. It's essentially in public. They have just formulated in a way for, for larger interest. So uh, without doing a forensic audit and releasing this report, it does not add anything. It's just giving us the picture what we already know. And uh, coming to the point, are these people are making returns through this hike in prices in the national? Do we need to go for the export or not? We need to see the data uh, in more detail. And 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 but before uh, like we go into the discussion, I would like to uh, uh, give uh, our conclusion, which my another conclusion is we need to deregulate the market, we need to open up the market. 
so the pakistan uh, sugar industry is, is 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 it has a different dynamics it it it, it the, the seller the sugarcane seller can't sell beyond uh, the buyers in those region and and uh, then you can't have a sugar mill without the uh, 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 you know, approval of the provincial government, which is not in any other industry. So there is a licensing raj in sugar production, and 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 the seller has to go through those who have the licenses. So that kind of a distortion is there, which we need to remove. The other is this that the government is fixing the price of the sugar cane, and and then you when you're fixing the sugar cane price, how can you fix the price or uh, you not let the change the price of the sugar produced? If you're increasing the sugarcane price, the produce price and globally have to increase as well. So if we want to see that uh, where the where the, the the retail price is, we need to see that what the, what uh, uh, the sugar grower is getting. So this whole chain has to be opened up. So that's that's the basic uh, uh, thing on uh, for that. And in case of the wheat, I mean it's interesting to see that in Pakistan there are about seven million growers of the wheat and there are about twelve hundred milling units there, and uh, there is a very high capacity in the market. For instance, if your daily consumption is about forty thousand ton, uh, the the production capacity is well above two hundred fifty million tons. It's so it's seven eight times or something that's of the production your your capacity is. So this is inefficient, but again, within the wheat, the market forces do not work because you have a support price mechanism and the government procurement is through the big farmers and this whole chain needs to be analyzed and, and is to open up. So for wheat, it's opening up as well, but to a certain extent. And the other element to bifurcate between the sugar and the wheat is that wheat is a staple food and we are a, Pakistan is a poor country and we need to have some kind of a safe mechanism of ensuring the staple food for all. But this cannot be said for the sugar. You know, sugar uh, in, in a developed part of the world now is being taxed because of its consumption and because of its, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, health issues and all that. And but Pakistan, it is supported somehow through the provinces as, as a staple food. So we need to uh, deviate from that. So in a nutshell, we need to open up both the markets. B and we should stop taking uh, uh, sugar as a uh, as staple food or or in in terms of take it in the by equation of food uh, in the food security. Thank you for that. Adil, from your perspective, what stood out for you both in the sugar and wheat reports and um, what are the key takeaways that, that, that you would want to flag for our audience? So unfortunately, the people who have conducted this inquiry are not economists or researchers. They are effectively investigators and criminal investigators. So the problem is that the question that they ask are, I believe, incorrect. So the, the starting point for the report is, was the minimum support price sufficient? Rather than asking why is there a minimum support price or, or what is the need for, for a minimum support price? Similarly, as you pointed out, the report asks, was the export justified? But again, in what other commodities case do we ask the question, is export justified or not? We have shortfall of cotton as well, but we never ask the question whether 
export of cotton is justified or not for example in pakistan's history we are for the first time we are witnessing a shortfall of 5 million bales of cotton and yet nobody is asking why cotton export happens i understand it happens for for a very low point but there are no restrictions in sugar's case the industry is so over regulated and we need to step back in time to understand the context of it uh, uh, sugarcane unlike other crops is a very high volume commodity so for example if one hectare farm yields 2 tons of wheat it would yield 60 tons of sugarcane that's mm. intrinsic to the nature of the crop now that means the crop is not storable and it's not transportable now to add to this in order to incentivize the crop the, the colonial rulers pre independence set up a sugarcane act and also and then accompanied it with the sugar factories control act which basically says that uh, the the provincial governments will by issue of a special noc allow setting up of sugar mills the provincial government will notify when the crushing season will begin when it will end and in order to incentivize production they first set up a minimum support price effectively why so that the because it is a non storable and not non tradable commodity uh, the grower who is the seller of the of the raw material is not held uh hostage by the buyer who will who is the miller in this case so that's where the principle of support price comes from now until 2007 and 8 and maybe a little before that the government at some level was involved in procurement of the output which is white sugar through tcp and others ever since government exited this market the first step of the value chain and essentially the support price has turned into a notional mechanism now for as long as pakistan has a shortfall of the raw material which has been more or less the case for the first uh, first uh, 10 years of 2000s from 2001 to 2010 uh, having a support price just as a notional rate made no difference because the shortfall meant that open market transactions commercial uh, open market transactions between the grower and the miller were, would take place at commercial rates now since then right. due to development and research and development of better varieties and higher higher yielding seed varieties and higher higher sucrose quality seed varieties of sugarcane pakistan has been developing surpluses of to produce producing surpluses of sugarcane and hence surpluses of sugar for the last 2 3 years now i will just just need 5 more minutes to 5 more minutes to set up the context for this as well no please go ahead in order to make the support price enforceable the colonial rulers also added another clause in the sugarcane act which is the clause of mandatory crushing now that means that for as long as the grower in a certain 75 mile or, or a certain x uh, mile distance comes to the miller and says i am willing to sell my raw material or my crop at the support price minimum support price rate the mill must procure it and the mill must crush it and hence go hmm. out of it irrespective of whatever demand dynamics may be or supply dynamics may be what whatever may be the carry over stock position in the domestic market 
Now, and if and if you just to stop you here, if you don't do it as a miller, you basically can be shut down by the authorities because you're in violation of the law. You are in violation of the law. A now uh, the backdrop to this, the context to this is, uh, principle is that back in the day, the government would procure all of the sugar produced from the millers, make them payments in five days. And then allow millers to make payments to millers in 15 days. This is all written in the Cain Act. But over since 1970s and 1980s, we saw liberalization of this market in which white sugar was no longer a ration market, a ration commodity in the retail market. So we hear it from our grandparents and parents that back in 70s and 60s, they used to obtain sugar from the ration stores in specified quantities as per every household. Now that's no longer the case. The value adding industry or the downstream industry of the confectionery beverages also became liberalized in the 1990s, which made the industry hugely profitable. So more importantly, Shokin is over the last 20-25 years, sugarcane has proved its climatic resilience in Pakistan as compared to other crops. So while crops such as cotton, rice and even to a certain extent maize and wheat fail whenever we see extreme, extreme weather events such as floods, super floods or heat waves, while sugarcane's yield, sur uh, uh, yield suffers the crop still is able to bear some fruit. In cases of cotton, if there is a flood, the farmer the, the farmer has noticed over the last 10-15 years to see that his entire crop is destroyed. So there is a certain level of crop uh, inherent endemic dynamics which are inherent to the crop, which has led to choking's popularity. Climatic uh, vagary is contributing into this. And the fact that the government has decided in its supreme wisdom that it must retain all controls from, from minimum support price to export quotas to very high import tariffs and mandatory crushing while partially deregulating only one aspect of the value chain, which is the retail price. And even that they try to control through the hammer of the district administration by bringing it down from time and again and saying that we must control the price of sugar and the price of sugar in the retail market. Yeah. So so let me ask you this, and maybe Ali and Kizer, either one of you can chime in here, but if, if the market is so skewed because of government policies, and it is quite obvious to me that you need to deregulate a market like this to let it flourish and not have a government control over it. That's just the way of the world and that's how markets function. Why is it that this there is such a ridiculous set of policies in place to this day that control this industry and continue to cause crises like this? Uh, 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 what, what, in my view, is is uh, when whenever you have distortion, there is an opportunity of rent, and there are rent seekers who like to pounce upon that opportunity. And if you see, there's <laughs> this over the period of time after 17 and 80 is a partial deregulation of the industry, but without uh, 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 doing away with this licensing raj, 
which means the the sugar owners majority have become the political uh, uh, you know uh, 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 people who are have political influence from one party or the other they become the sugar player or uh, the players who have entered into the sugar business become political and today you see the bigger the, the the players who have really gained over the past two decades because of their efficiencies and all that they have a very high political clout so 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 my premise is simple that you you need to deregulate every aspect of the industry and to remove the political clout in it that's the basic and details i think adil adil can tell you better yeah adil yeah, before you jump in like let me it's also catch 22 and right adil maybe you can speak to this is that yes there is political patronage and sugar is a cash crop so the money feeds the politics of the country in so many ways and so how do you break that cycle even in terms of deregulating and moving forward on this so look the money simply doesn't just feed the the political hegemony that we see in the three major political parties the money feeds the village sugar cane crop is famous for generating employment during the crushing season for the entire village understand that the capital required to set up a sugar mill is at a 5 to 10 times variance from setting up what it takes to set up a cotton ginning mill or a rice plant so that plays into it so the from the plantation to crushing to transportation sugar cane and the the, the value chain is a huge employer a b because the industry enjoys uh, enjoys or the dynamics are are such that 100% of the produce basically goes to banks as pledge and and uh, these these sugar mills obtain financing and make payments to growers which due to support price and low level of investment required to plant sugar cane also means effectively results in transfers to the farm economy climatic resilience means that over the years farmers have started to started to treat this crop as insurance so while other crops fail sugar cane survives more importantly the crop is very lucrative to plant if you are located anywhere near where where water is available in large quantities easily so abiana mispricing yes also contributes to why so if you are a powerful influential landlord maybe affiliated with a political party or not and you have access to ground well uh, underground water in large quantities and you also have the influence to buy access to irrigation water it makes economic sense for you to grow sugar cane rather than cotton which is sensitive and does not yield as many, and does not yield remember guaranteed returns the price of cotton is linked to the international price the price of rice is linked to the international price the price the price of maize for example which is a, which is a usually profitable crop these days is also linked to the national price but in case of sugar cane that's not so so and that in case of the wheat and wheat is not uh, as well linked to the international price so these two crops have 
a, a, a very different mechanism. That, that's why the problem is there. That's why you never heard the problem of the rice, uh, cotton, maize, which, which, which is a sun shining in the, uh, agriculture produced in Pakistan or any other produce. So that's a fundamental reason behind it. And, and, and again, because wheat is a staple crop, so there is some support, uh, there is some reason to support it, but not sugar cane, because sugar is not a staple. Adam, uh, please continue. And to answer the question about politics, uh, the problem is that while sugar, so what happens is people confuse the cause and effect. Having a sugar mill buys you political influence in your constituency, not vice versa. So having a sugar mill means for people from southern Punjab that they have a constituency of economic rents or people dependent on their patronage and economic rents, which would guarantee their, their being voted into parliaments in election after election. So how to break the cycle? In order to break the cycle, first you will need to reform the colonial laws. While I understand that deregulation and liberalization is a nice word, uh, we have to take some caution and first look at how to protect the farmer from mills monopoly if the market is not liberalized fully at the same time because the, because if the market is not liberalized that would effectively lead to a situation where farmers will be hostage to the mill owner because they cannot afford to transport their raw material at their their product at long distances so if you take the minimum support price away while not removing the geographical barriers now the geographical barriers are also a very interesting story there is a ban in Punjab since, since uh, mid-2000s on establishment of sugar mills in the southern Punjab area because the, because the southern Punjab area, especially the Rahimia Khan belt, is famous, is known as Pakistan's cotton belt. Now, 2005, certain political people exercised their influence in the, in the Musharraf government and had that law the control over establishment of new sugar mills suspended for a period of one year and licenses for establishment of sugar uh, of uh, sugar mills were issued to two or three key players i will not name them over here they are very strong i just let me add they are very strong here and and to add something that without taking name they took some loan from bank of punjab and all that which was much higher than the per party limit though they repaid the loan but that uh, uh, their limit was not that much and, and what kind of a concession they got. So those are other questions as well. And today they are very strong. Other yeah. I know I know you don't want to name names, but I'll ask you a question. And it, are, the, are the mills mentioned in the Sugar Inquiry report that just came uh, out? I think we should not say anything. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I can say it. They, the names are in the Sugar Inquiry report. So if anyone wants to read, they will find out who they are. But okay. go ahead, Arthur. We have to look at the fact whether is there anything improper going on over here. The fact that these people were able to establish mill in, in that mills in that region is completely fine because that region is very suitable for growing of sugarcane and has produced the highest sucrose recovery level sugarcane in the entire country. So, for example, if the sugarcane grown in Rahimia Khan produces sucrose recovery level of 12%, the one grown in KP or Faisalabad has an average across recovery level of 9.5%. And, 
And, and just for the average listener, like the recovery rate basically is an indicator of how efficiently no, no. sugar can be extracted, correct? Uh, Sucrose recovery level means that uh, how what quantity of sugar can be extracted out of one unit of okay. real sugar cane. So a higher recovery rate means that you can extract more sugar out so, of the crop. So the price would be higher for that cane yep. because the price is based on the recovery. So yeah, got it. One percentage point of recover, increase in recovery or variance in recovery would add or subtract 10% from your, from your output. And these mills, by the way, are the largest units in Pakistan are also very efficient. There is no doubt that these are the most efficient mills in Pakistan right now. Having said that, in 2016, the group tried to shift their mills from Central Punjab because Central Punjab is no longer conducive to growing of sugarcane because of shifting in climatic patterns. And they shifted their mills from, from Central Punjab to Southern Punjab. And the same people went to the court, to the Lahore High Court, and you have a, a, a writ petition number 37 from 2016, uh, where they argued that these mills are being shifted to southern Punjab in contravention of law, which is true, but will lead to uh, will lead to in sugarcane area at the expense of cotton. Now imagine hmm. that the largest sugar millers in the country are going to the court and asking for establishment, asking for basically for the courts to stop entry of competition quote unquote to protect the so that's the irony so geographical barriers and barriers to entry are what have these players to establish their monopoly and if you were to change the law now Sharif government could have changed the law and made entry into that but what they did was again they followed the policy of suspending the law for a limited time period and then issuing notification for themselves so hmm. the military distortion is where the problem comes from and if you were to open the market and you need to remove those regulatory restrictions and distortions at the same time simultaneously because if you were to just remove support price and not remove the geographical barriers that would effectively mean that the farmer will be hostage to the mill near farm gate. So you need entry of more players, you need an entry for, of efficient players, but you need to make it happen all at the same time. Okay, no, that's that's interesting. And I, I mean, that's very well laid out. So let me ask you a follow-up question on that before we quickly talk about some of the wheat inquiry report and what, you know, there's a different set of findings there. But given the political climate in Islamabad and the the nature of the coalition set up both in Islamabad and in Lahore, both first Ali with you and then Adil with you, like how likely are these set of reforms uh, that you are describing to be implemented in the next next year or so, let's say? Again, coming back to the, what this report is talking about, this report is actually the question of malefied intention, if there are any, which I don't know about here, is about why domestic prices have moved up from, uh, 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 you know, by 20-30% when, when you had surplus stocks and you allowed exports. So that is something you need to talk about. 
and uh, but the report does not really talk about this the report is just uh, to me the kind of findings in the reports again to start with is something which was already public which we knew and everyone knew about that we have written about that if people have done the tv programs on that so it's it's just uh, uh, beyond some political uh, uh, mileage for a faction of pti who is against the other faction of pti i don't see anything beyond that now the thing is uh, uh, these kind of reforms will they be taken place i doubt it without of this report because it's the decision these were taken by the federal government they decided upon the export of the uh, sugar uh, in ecc uh, meeting when asad umar was uh, the finance minister just to add some spice on that before asad umar came up with this export decision back in november or december 2018 there were rumors of asad umar resigning and right after mm. ecc decided to export the rumors died down now but asad umar did not give any subsidy he said that okay you can export but we are not giving subsidy but then the punjab government gave the subsidy now punjab mm. government gave the subsidy and then the summary was moved in the ecc and it was approved again so somehow ecc and the punjab government cabinet committee all are to blame in this decision if it is taken place once you took the decision it's legitimate for the uh, uh, the sugar producers and traders to make profits now you have taken the decision you have given the subsidy it's like textile you you're giving them and they're making it and then even after that why did you allow exports to take place when you can see the pleasure situation every month published on the state bank export every day published on the state bank and then you let this thing to happen so that's that's the administrative failure either those people were capturing that administration or the administration failed themselves but how can you make accountable for those who are making profit based on the administrative failure now if you talk about those big players of pti involved in that jangi tarin as you all know is not part of any formal committee is not even a part and in case of the other party uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, those who are involved they did not take, uh, were present in the meetings uh, where the decision took place so you can't pinpoint to ke okay, these are the problems unless you kind of prove that there is some uh, uh, you know uh, Uh, export on paper, but it's not actually happened. That you can find out from forensic audit. But before going to the forensic audit, these companies are efficient companies, and their audits are being conducted by Big Four. Now, do you think those kind that uh, uh, you're going to challenge those? So, so my understanding is this: this is just a report that's been taken out. that just to dilute the uh, the, the the political impact of what happened, and and this thing would. move this way around and this will die down in in the course of time that's my understanding adil do you also think that this is an eye wash and nothing much will come out of it and like a week a month or so two months three months later we'll just forget about what was in this report which is what often happens with inquiry reports in pakistan look if the purpose is to create martyrs i think that has already been achieved I do not agree. It is my considered view that 
smuggling has not happened because if you look at ex- export data from state bank uh, close to at uh, the distribution between export countries exp- sugar was exported to during 2019 is basically 45% is to Afghanistan and 45% is to China so the rumor going around that the export was fake or no export was made or export was only made to gain subsidy that's looks untrue because exports were not only made to Afghanistan, exports were also made to China. Second, uh, once the subsidy expired in June of 2019, sugar export continued uh, from July to December and we had exports of close to $117 million during the last six months of 2019. Uh, And I completely agree with Ali uh, that we see no reforms taking place because the inquiry does not ask those questions. It's a pity that the inquiry is asking what is the impact of forward contracts on the price of sugar. The primary problem that we are facing right now is that not that sugar price has increased ex- extremely in the last two, three, four years, the problem that you're facing right now is that the price of sugar has witnessed a lot of volatility over the last 12, 18 months. Mm-hmm. The whole purpose of our contracts is to create stability in commodity markets. And the report goes on, ventures into commenting that should forward contracts be settled in cash terms? And it calls it a satta to settle yeah. forward contracts made <laughs> on delivery basis. Yes, I remember when I was reading that report, I basically stopped there and started laughing because as an undergraduate, I took a whole class in financial hedging. And when I read the paragraph on satta, I was like, somebody should email the writers of this report what the basics of financial hedging are and why futures markets exist everywhere in the world and what their use is because it was just absurd that they were commenting on futures as a satta basically so from from there you can understand the comprehension of those who are making report about this financial audit if they are going to do any a and b what the report when you or when the report is saying this i don't agree with that this report haven't gone through anyone's uh, you know if if we all three being a, a student of economics can say that I, I don't agree that no one from the government can see this as well. So they let it go so because they wanted this for public consumption. Yes, Sartan, continue. And so as let, Ali pointed out, may I continue? Yeah, uh, go ahead, Adil. Ali pointed out, it is more of an administrative failure because when the ex- notification for export quota of 1 million tons was announced in January of 2019, which is what is the basis of this inquiry report, that notification clearly stated that the sugar advisory board under the supervision of ministry of Com- federal ministry of commerce will monitor the weekly position of stocks in the domestic market now br research in april 2019 wrote that the stocks in the domestic market will decline and the price will reach somewhere about rupees 90 by december end it has not increased by that margin but the point is that if we if researchers sitting on the outside having access only to the public, public data, data. Mm-hmm. that there is going to be a hike 
people administratively made responsible to monitor the situation cannot see it. So while it point out political, there are political beneficiaries of the export subsidy, whatever they have done is legal because the government made it legal. And you need to understand where the motivation to make the exports came from. And just a step back, in the election year, PMLN government announced a 2 million tons export quota with a subsidy of 20 billion rupees. Now that resulted in 700 million dollars of export in FI18. Now Ministry of Commerce clearly was would have faced the brunt at a time when the IMF was also not reached and having and if it had expo, uh, banned the, the 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 export of sugar in January 19 or had not ex announced another export quota you would have seen a decline of 700 million uh, 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 a decline of 700 million dollars in your export receipts so that's mm -hmm. where basically came from and right now the administration in that particular ministry is obviously had to hide their faces so you have to fling dirt on the political beneficiary so to speak of the industry and uh, and to that extent all i will point out is that you need to compare the share of export that those players have as a percentage of their production and i will just point out that uh, last year one of the sugar one of one of the publicly listed sugar mills noted in its management report that the management of the company has taken the bet that now this is 2018 that the management mm -hmm. of the company has taken a bet that prices in the domestic market will increase and as such it has decided not to export now that's a company mm -hmm. which which in, in punjab which could have availed the subsidy just as other players could but decided not to because it understood that the domestic market price will obviously increase considering that the stock in the domestic market will decline as a result of exports so, hmm. so this was well known there is nothing in this report that could, that was not known before and if the so and to the extent of market manipulation and cartelization also i think we can draw those conclusions so let me switch gears to the wheat inquiry report and i'll just quickly read out the conclusion which is paragraph 66 here um, which basically sums up to what both you and ali were talking about even in the context of the sugar report which is quote the committees of the considered view that the current crisis the crisis in wheat here was the consequence of a saga of failures at the policy and planning levels both federal and provincial massive public fa massive failure in public procurement further compounded due to inept handling by the provincial food departments and collusive malpractices of the official of the food departments and private stockists and millers, end quote. So if that's the state of affairs in, in, in a staple product like wheat, which every citizen relies on, particularly the poor, um, what can we expect in terms of improvement and outcomes on the economic front uh, over, over the coming weeks and months? Uh, uh, you're talking about economic front generally or you talk about wheat in particular? I'm talking about wheat in particular, but even in general, like if there is such a failure of policy and execution in such an important crop, um, are you hopeful that things will change in the coming months in terms of how the system functions and so, and, and works so on the economic side? You, you see, this is, this, is the, this is the failure of the provincial government. So the when you see that in the Punjab government in the past 18 months, when you have changed numerous times different offices, 
uh, at the secretary level and the down level and when things start moving down and uh, if someone has a grip of understanding of the market mechanism and he's been changed and the new person comes so you tend to find those kind of a problems over here so that's a kind of administrative failure uh, which is at the punjab level in in the uh, in the administration but uh, the problem uh, with the wheat is again um, you need to understand uh, the mechanics of uh, the prices uh if if you see that in the past 15 years whenever you pakistan prices are uh, uh, you know uh, below the international prices in dollar terms uh, there is a case of wheat exports or smuggled in the case of afghanistan and as well that and and there were the, there was a case of miscalculation in wheat export you go back in 2007 it uh, that was the time of the shokat aziz he took a decision he exported about 4.3 million of wheat and uh, uh, and given some subsidy on that then the prices reverse and then you had to import at a higher price and uh, there was a case in 2011 but it was managed uh, relatively better adil will explain that case in more detail and then now this is the case and in between uh, the you need to see the mechanics of the wheat we have increased the support price uh, from uh, about 600 to 900 back in 2008 and uh, at that time the international prices uh, were higher but they came down and pakistani prices remain higher than international price for, for, for about 7 8 years for instance for i have plotted that in the for between 2000 say 9 to 17 or 18 pakistan prices were at a 30% premium to what the prices were in india and all that and that has brought the food inflation in pakistan as well and the food inflation in the sense of wheat is a staple and it's being used in um, uh, for a fodder uh, for uh, 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 you know uh, the milk uh, producing animals and 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 in confectioning and everything and and you know it has a, a big impact on inflation and if you see that back in days in india amrita sen has done some work on that where he linked the wheat support price with the in food inflation in india so that something mm-hmm. has happened in pakistan as well and now so so and and then there's a problem with the support price in pakistan that support price you know that mechanism we all know that that uh, the the bardana uh, uh, guinea bag uh, that uh, that the government gives to procurement and government procures at the support price that given to the large farmer the influential farmer at that point with the small farmer has to sell at discount uh, to 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 the middleman so the higher price has an impact on the poor across the pakistan urban and rural uh, uh, because of the inflation of the wheat price and the small farmer which is supposed to get the benefit of this is not getting the benefit so that mm. uh, to me a sheer inefficiency and sheer rent seeking so but that's a systematic thing happening for the past 10 years so that's one thing and now on the crisis adil would like to, uh, may add something on it so adil really quickly if you can share your thoughts on the crisis i know we're uh, running short on time as well so if you can quickly do that and i have a final set of questions for both of you and then we can conclude but please go ahead so look to the your question began with whether the policy failures and administrative failures that we see can be addressed and my answer is no because i'll ask you a simple question pakistan produces on average 25 million tons of wheat 
wherever you look at nocturnal data pakistan processes no more than 12 to 14 million tons of wheat through flour mills hmm. provincial food departments and federal government which procure wheat on support price procure no more than 5 to 6 million tons on average and in in this particular year as an exception they are going to procure 8.2 million tons of wheat where does the remainder 50% go nobody in the policy community even in the government understands the wheat market because as much as they may want to control it you can it is not controlled the procurement price or the support price in the in wheat also only exists because certain farm certain large scale farmers benefit by selling the produce to the government at 1400 rupees for example per 40 kgs of wheat when the open market price is much lower and open the market price has usually been lower because pakistan has has forever been a wheat surplus country now why did the crisis happen last year the crisis happened last year because pakistan is seeing a climatic shift number 1 in april 2019 right at the brink of the harvest season pakistan punjab especially southern punjab saw huge amounts of rainfalls which led to destruction of the wheat crop other let me stop you there because it's an important point you've raised a couple of times about climatic shifts and i'm i i agree with you on that but what astounds me as an observer here is that while everyone has been talking about climatic shifts even people who just study climate change happening and read the news at that same time the state bank of pakistan in its annual report in its quarterly report last year continued to say that agriculture will be the driver of growth in pakistan and that's what their estimates were based on so how is there this disconnect when everyone agrees that agriculture is the backbone of the economy there's a climate shift happening which and is going to cause and in september 2019 we pointed out that the mps in that the mps statement in in that month i remember had said that agriculture would the growth in agriculture sector would ensure a gdp growth close to 3 3 uh, or 2.8% over the estimated exactly so 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 what's this disconnect where everyone knows climatic shifts will cause issues in terms of agricultural output but the state bank the main banking institution in the country looking at the economy says agriculture will drive growth how does Now, this happen uh, let me add into this uh, I, that, that we have written on that that the food inflation and climate change and uh, and we have mentioned that in the uh, post uh, analyst meeting of the state bank that that this is what happening around that uh, because in 2019 all the seasons were erected and and this was the reason for perishable food item prices hike as well and as in case of non perishable wheat and sugar as well so so we Actually, considered this as well but they're saying they'll do the research but they haven't done anything yet yes actually uh i would like to think so i i would like to think that state bank had made a broad stroke uh, estimate based on the fact that uh, the current the, the sudden round of currency devaluation basically made a lot of our agricultural commodities suddenly competitive in the export market which is what i was going to come to uh, which is was the second point of my uh, description of the wheat crisis is that when 
although Pakistan has been in wheat surplus country for, for a very long time, we were unable to export wheat because we were uncompetitive. The sudden bolt of uh, devaluation in 2019 basically made our wheat export competitive, except that because there are controls on export of wheat also, it led to a lot of smuggling through Afghanistan to, to the Central Asian countries. So that's point number two. Point number three is because of, again, climatic vagaries and a, and a wave of heat and, a, and very high temperatures, Pakistan saw a decline in its maize production and maize yield, which was unexpected. And maize, by the way, feeds into your poultry chain. Yep, yep. Now, because of higher uh, maize prices, which increased from 800 rupees to 1200 rupees per 40 kgs in 2019, poultry millers invariably shifted to wheat as the alternate substitute feed. Now, that also led to a shift in your supply situation. But the problem is, when the government says that Pakistan produces 25 million tons of wheat because it's an off-season crop, and our total demand is only 14 million tons, and the government has 8 or 6 million tons of stocks at any given day, why would we ever have a shortage? Because yeah. we do not understand the numbers because there are no estimates of the, of the numbers. Hmm. We live in a guess world. Yeah, we, that's we, true. We live in a complete guess world because, because effectively we just say that, hey, if uh, Pakistan's total domestic requirement or uh, uh, tradable a volume of wheat is only 12 to 14 million tons. That basically means that 11 million tons of wheat stays on farm. So, hey, our rural demand must always be fulfilled. We don't need to worry mm -hmm. about that. Hmm. And the urban demand can be catered to by the stocks that are available with the government. Yes, there were certain other factors also. So, the, so the fact that uh, Sin government did not have the funds or claims it did not have the fund to procure wheat when it finally saw the shortage coming in November, December, that's an administrative problem. But there's another... And, and, and there's another... Adil, I like to add over there, there is another problem. There was a news before, two months before the crisis, that that the various Sindh government godams were empty. The wheat, wheat vanished somehow. And and there are unconfirmed reports that wheat were smuggled to, to Afghanistan. Again, coming back to my point, when when international prices were better than Pakistan prices, so there was incentive for export slash smuggling. And that mm -hmm. probably had happened and that did never reflected and never reflected government numbers. Yeah, other countries. So, so, so really quickly. And my view is that if you have wheat stored in the godowns for two, three years, which happens because we call them our quote unquote strategic reserves, and suddenly Pakistan's, uh, Pakistan's uh, uh, wheat becomes export competitive, it will disappear from the go-downs because that's what happens when you when you when you create export and import controls. It will disappear. So that's a consequence, not the cause. Yeah. Uh, I agree. So so last question for both of you. Adil, we'll start with you on this. If you were advising the prime minister for the next six months and you had to pick one reform uh, in light of the issues in the sugar and wheat industry, what would that be? With respect to sugar, I think we can safely uh, claim that uh, it's best to deregulate the market. And I think uh, finally, uh, we stand at a point where we can break the camel's back. We have brought, I think, after several 
months of writing about it, we have developed some level of consensus with the industry that the market should be deregulated. I think this is the time to step in and deregulate sugar. With respect to wheat, I will just make two points. One, the first step that the government needs to do is commission and commission a research and first decide what is Pakistan's average domestic requirement and what growth rate is it growing at. And B, Pakistan has a total outstanding commodity operation debt related to wheat procurement of roughly 800 million, sorry, 8 billion, billion. 800 billion, 800 billion rupees. And this has only been growing in the last two, three years. Uh, commodity operation debt has increased just to service the markup in provinces. So just like circular debt in the energy sector, there is debt in the wheat sector. And another commodity governments are unable to procure wheat on their own because they are already obtaining financing just to service the market. So I would like to ask the the prime minister or the federal cabinet or or whosoever is running the show, to what point can we sustain government's heavy-handed role in the wheat market? Ali, over to you. Two things or a couple uh, of things that you would want to reform. Actually, Adil has summed it up very uh, aptly. You know, this is we need to deregulate the uh, sugar market by deregulating the sugar market from how much to grow, when to grow, who's to buy, how much to buy, who's to make sugar mill, who's to uh, uh, have a new sugar mill, who decides to export, who decides to import, everything, it should go in the private hands. And there should be no involvement of government in that, especially in the sugar. And and and, and it's, it's not something, a staple crop, and sugar consumption gives you energy, but it's not good. Half of your, but the, I don't know how much of the country is diabetic, and this this energy boost from the sugar is not the good idea in the long term. So you need to deregulate the market. And then the other thing is that you, when you deregulate the market, the sugar makers may think about high value addition. Like in case of the Brazil, Philippines, and their other countries, there more production of ethanol and the byproduct rather than, and then sugar is a byproduct. In Pakistan, sugar is the main producer, the rest is the byproduct. If you if, mm-hmm. if you open up the industry, the prices may go up a little, but that will produce foreign exchange for you as well in terms of the high valuation or say foreign exchange in that time. So that's very important for me to do that so that uh, efficient industry players can go for higher valuation because when they see this kind of an opportunity in sugar through various government support, they will never go in that. So you are for you you are not letting the market forces to go perform in efficient way. That's that's the story of the. And in case of the wheat, that's a very tricky thing. So if you stop procuring, if you stop having a uh, you know uh, support price, if there is a case of a lesser use of the wheat, then it's a problem. But again. Uh, the, the wheat consumption is not as much as being said by the government. It could be higher because of the other uses in it as well. So we need to be very careful and we need to first identify how much is the human consumption, how much is the poultry consumption, and how much is the high is the milk uh, uh, fodder consumption. And if there are any other consumption, we need to find out what it is. Uh, if how much we feed to Afghanistan through smuggling or through Although, so we need to get that number correct. 
and and apart from that in uh, the wheat support price i think government has to do away with the wheat support price they probably have to go the old method of supporting the small farmer through fertilizer inputs with the currency uh, adjusting to its real values it's easier to do so and if you start supporting the small farmer then there will be no support price and there will be one price you don't need to have two prices and these two prices are actually creating that commodity debt because when you have a support price which is at 10 20% premium to the market price what the government procure when they sell they make a loss and that mm-hmm. that fuels up your debt and then servicing of debt is another problem in a high interest rate environment it's creating yeah. a circular debt like in energy when there is a price difference between the production cost including the capacity payment and the selling price so there has to have a some circular debt in that's the case in the wheat so you need to do away with the support price and you need to go back to supporting small farmers got it Ali and Adil thank you for taking out the time this was a wonderful discussion and lots of technical details but i think the key takeaway i think most will agree on is deregulation is important here and the distortions that happen as a result of a heavy-handed approach or involvement from the government is basically creating crises like these i hope we have some reforms in this side because they are much needed um and hopefully we'll have you back on when these reforms happen to get your view in whether you think the reforms are substantial enough or not but for the meantime stay safe i hope you and your families are doing well with the coronavirus situation and we'll be in touch thank you so much thank you sir stay safe yeah thank you for tuning in for this episode of pakistanomy hope you enjoyed the discussion if you like this podcast please do subscribe to it using your favorite podcast app and do share it with your friends and family as well as on your social media hope you tune in next time